my very own Russian doll. Uh... <laughs> I can see you're uh, you're radiating the light of Torah today, as always. Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah, I'm a beacon of Torah. It's whatever. It's fine. Yes. Uh, how are you, Hava? How are you, Hava? Baruch Hashem. I am well. I just got done grocery shopping with the boyf, which, you know, was fine. I hate grocery shopping, but we did it together through the power of love. Nice. I told you all this already. I told you, Michael, this already, but I haven't told the listeners that a really cool thing happened to me this week, which is that I found some really cool documents about my family's history and found this like really cool family tree that helped me trace one side of my family all the way back to freaking somebody who was a rabbi in Constantinople. So that was that was fucking cool as hell. And just like a really blessing from the Google gods and like a big piece of the puzzle I had been missing. You see Chunk behind me? I do see Chunk behind you. It's an nice. cutie. Yeah. Hold on one second. I want to show you something. Okay. Is it Skeeter? Oh, oh my God. Wow. Beautiful. Skeeter's licking your face because he's like one of those girls at the club that makes out for attention. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. He's like, Michael, let's kiss. Yeah, totally. Look, totally. there's Hava. Let's kiss on camera. My dog is a bimbo and I love it. <laughs> that's why he fits in so well on the show. Uh huh. Yeah. So that's the main stuff in my life idk it's summer i try to go to the beach but it rained instead which was annoying mm -hmm. michael yes yes hi how are you as you can see i'm very happy <laughs> yeah i'm good i just watched the talented mr ripley oh i've never seen it i didn't realize it was gay and it's gay oh i'm in well i don't know it's, it's, it's Wait, you can't snatch that away from me. You can't say it's not really gay. I think it's worth you watching. I don't know if you're going to yeah. like it. Okay, I'll put it on my list. It's like a good ornament, I think, in your collection of pop culture. <laughs> You know what I, I mean? I see. So, like, I should watch it because it's part of the canon. It's just part of the canon of movies that involve homosexuality. Right. It would be cool of me to have watched it. I think Whether so. I will enjoy I watching so. it is another question, but I'll enjoy having the social status of someone who's watched it. I mean, it also is like one of those 90s classic movies now, so... Mm-hmm. Right. I kind of feel like that's your thing, like, knowing the 90s classics. Are you feeling better today? You were a little bit of a slug this week. Yeah, I, I'm feeling a little better. Yep, yep. I was a bit of a slug. Now I'm less slimy, but still. Wouldn't it be cool if slugs turned into something like butterflies and moths? Like if slugs had slug cocoons of slime? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if uh, like you had a pet slug and then you came back the next day and it had turned into $20,000. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was thinking more like, what if there were big slimy butterflies, but your thing is cool too. Yeah, like what if there were big slimy butterflies that were worth like, I don't know, $20,000. <laughs> My creative thinking has not been poisoned at all by the necessity to survive in this world. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're you're my big slimy butterfly who's priceless. Oh my god, I just saw your boyfriend's haircut in the background. You can't just Oh, I know. Don't even talk to me about fucking it. Muscly weirdo walking by. <laughs> mm. Oh my he looks like <sighs> he would beat me up because 
I'm a fag, but actually, like, he's the, you know, you know, he's kind of got that I know. going on. I know, it's and it's wonderful. Nice. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's really a lot for me to live with. You've achieved the ultimate Freudian dream of dating your high school bully. <laughs> oh, I know. And I relish it every day. Oh, okay. Well, speaking of Freudian dreams. Speaking of Freudian dreams, it's fucking Russian Doll Season 1, Episode 3, people. Yes. Episode entitled A Warm Body. Yes, yes. Michael, did you watch it? Did you do your homework? Of course I watched it. I watched it. What did you think? I thought it was great. I took notes. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. Look at you. Oh, yeah. Okay, so here's basically what happens in this episode. We wake up once again with our beloved Nadia and begin another day of our eternal life and death cycle. She is looking around for clues. She sees the Hebrew on the outside of her building, which used to be a yeshiva. So she decides she's going to try to find the synagogue that the yeshiva is related to. And she goes to hunt it down and her ex-husband, John, comes with her. She tries to discover some stuff. She and John have a fight which secretly really hurts her feelings. So she gets very drunk and she lets a homeless guy cut her hair and then they spend the night together. In like a platonic way, the homeless guy and her. Yeah, it was questionable to me whether it was platonic. Like when I was watching it, I was like, this seems platonic, but it also seems like they could have like quietly no, no, had no, sex no, off screen. No, 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 no. It was no hanky-panky. It was just a very intimate, cuddly, fall asleep together they're looking out for each other. They're both drunk. And then, sadly, probably the saddest moment we've had in the whole show so far, she freezes to death. Yes. And presumably he freezes to death, too. Maybe. Presumably. And so she wakes up and she's like, I gotta go. Basically, she needs to like protect his shoes so that he'll stay at the shelter so that he won't freeze. And she tries to go do that. And then on the way down, she gets into an elevator and the elevator crashes. And that ends the episode. Although at the last moment... She is talking to a guy who's in the elevator with her and they're about to die and he's not freaking out. And she's like, hey, we're about to die. Like, why are you not freaking out? And he's like, I do it all the time. And then they look at each other like, oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah. This feels to me like curtain on act one of the show. I would say that's very true. We understand a little bit more about the universe we're living in. And now a new wrinkle is introduced of another right. person who is experiencing the same phenomena as Natasha. Also, going back to the beginning, a dear and wise listener wrote in to correct us. We had previously been under the assumption that Maxine and Lizzie, who are some of Nadia's friends, were dating each other. But they are not. They are just weird art friends, which actually became much more clear in this episode once I was paying attention because they have this little dialogue in the beginning about marriage and the way they're talking about it makes it clear that they are not romantically involved with each other. So I've seen the light, dear listener. Thank you for preparing us for that revelation. Anyway, what'd you like in the episode, Michael? Oh, I loved so much of this episode. It was so good. It was the most Jewish one so far, the most overtly Jewish one. Yes, it was very Jewish. There was just like lots of little things that I thought were funny. Like after uh, Nadia goes and takes a photo of the Hebrew in front of the building, mm -hmm. she wants to track down what the deal is with the building. I think the Hebrew says Talmud Torah House of 
I forget what was it. It Tal- says Talmatora Beit Shalom, eighteen eighty seven. Beit Shalom, like House of Peace, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just the name of the congregation. Oh, Talmatora Beit Shalom. Okay, Nadia shows it to Maxine, and Maxine is the one who reads the Hebrew <laughs> and is like, "Oh yeah, I know that. That's like the yeah. that's the synagogue. They're in this location now." I thought that was yeah. really funny. That like Maxine, who does not seem to be Jewish, just knows how to read Hebrew and knows the history of like the Jewish community in this part of New York. Right, and then. Then Nadia goes to the synagogue and she's like, Shabbat Shalom. And the lady is like, it's not Shabbat. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, Shifra was the character that uh, yes. was the person that she She sold the with. show. Oh, totally. It was so good. And um, yeah, she was trying to go in to see the rabbi to get information about the history of the old yeshiva. And Shifra wouldn't let her in because she's like an unmarried woman and like that right. wouldn't. And clearly a slut. So she calls up her ex-boyfriend, John, to come and pretend to be her husband to go and talk to Oh, right. To I think I said ex-husband in the summary when I was summarizing the episode, but it's ex-boyfriend. He pretends to be the husband. But then he accidentally gets real advice from the rabbi. Which that is causes hilarious. Him to like be like, oh, shit. <laughs> to wake up to his situation. Yes. And then like Nadia is also trying to tell Shifra that like Shifra isn't into this Jew stuff. Mm-hmm. But then like <laughs> yeah. slowly just like, please just like tell me a blessing that'll make everything okay right right in the end nadia is the one who said it's very like you and me i'm the shifra in this situation uh yeah i guess so yeah i guess that's because you were like i don't know about all this jew stuff i have a bunch of trauma from my reform judaism upbringing and i'm like it's okay baby i'll just slowly draw you into my web of judaism oh no you're like charlotte's web or something Right. I mean, it's like we have an episode entitled The Boiling Pot of Judaism that is a reference to this fact that you're like yeah. frog in a pot of Judaism. Yeah, it's true. And I think Nadia's kind of like that, too. And there was another funny moment earlier where Nadia picks up a newspaper and says, mm-hmm. like, oh, look, it's an article about Dolores Huerta, mm-hmm. who is this activist who I think was associated with Hugo Chavez. I think they started like a workers oh. co- workers uh, political party, like kind of a socialist party, mm-hmm. and led protests and stuff like that. You could tell Nadia and Maxine were like into the idea of Huerta, like, oh, she's cool, like she's like mm-hmm. feminist and stuff. Right. And, like a few lines are earlier than that, Nadia's like, who likes religions? They're all like sexist and fuck them mm-hmm. all. There's no money in it anymore. I felt that way at times Mm -hmm. it reminded me of like that episode we did with sam about different reactions to changes in society around Mm -hmm. jews how people reacted they became either zionist or like secular socialist right right or super hasidic or something like that i could see nadia and maxine too are the incarnation of that secular socialist kind of line but there's also Mm -hmm. sort of like a like a tiredness with it like not really feeling connected like acknowledging that they're like feminist and like hate the patriarchy inherent in religions according to them Mm -hmm. but like they're not like into it they're just kind of like oh this is nice life kind of sucks you know what I mean? They're just kind of resigned to like mm-hmm. that stream of Judaism having run its course. Right. I mean, Maxine is really focused on her art. That's what Maxine. 
scene most consistently shows excitement about. But Nadia doesn't really have that thing. No, she doesn't have the thing. brings her excitement, seemingly. But she does sort of seem to acknowledge that, like, there were things in the past that she liked. Like, she likes right. lefty stuff and feminist stuff, but seems... Right. Well, this gets to one of the primary themes of the episode that we're going to be talking about today, which is the haircut. Oh. The haircut, which is the the primary uh, symbol of this episode, I would say. So the homeless guy who Nadia spends the night with immediately says, I want to cut your hair. And she's like, yeah, fuck it. And he cuts her hair and they have this really deep dialogue. But one part of it, he picks up her cut off hair and he's basically like, this is the old you who you were like every day, day after day. And now it's like floating away. And like this on your head is the new you. And then she pulls down the entire building and kills all the idol worshippers. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because she is Samson. It's crazy that I actually, so I did pick a text about hair cutting, mm-hmm. but I didn't even think of Samson until you mentioned it. I ended up gravitating towards a different hair experience all right tell us the hair experience okay 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 so there's gonna be a bunch of parts to telling this story so we're gonna be talking about absalom Absalom, who is a child of david notable for being a hottie that's like one of his main things one of the first places we hear about him significant stuff about him is in second samuel 14 verses 25 and 26 where we read so no one in Israel was so beloved for their beauty as Absalom. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, he was without a blemish. And when he cut his hair, he had to cut it every year, basically, when the time had come, when the days had gone past. For it grew too heavy for him. The hair of his head weighed 200 shekels by the royal weight. Oh. Yes. Already very Nadia connected. Her hair is the past that's weighing her down. Avshalom's hair is like just really fucking heavy and he has to cut it off all the time. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. And so Avshalom is David's son and he is super beautiful. And basically what happens is he's supposed to like come to Jerusalem and hang out with David, but David doesn't really pay any attention to him. So he starts doing all this crazy stuff acting out like Absalom. He sets this dude, Joab's field on fire. Oh. And then Joab comes to him. He's like, why did you set my field on fire? And Absalom is like, cause you've been ignoring me basically. <laughs> like, You were supposed to take me to see the king and you haven't been paying attention to me. So I set your field on fire. So that finally gets him to go see the king. So he's finally like in good and set up. But we can already tell big red flag. You know, he's a tin, but he sets your barley field on fire if you don't pay attention to it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Then he goes even further and he will like get up early to go ride his horse around at the entrance of the city. And then when someone is bringing a case to court 
to the king's court. He'll be like, oh, like, what's up? What's your case? And the guy will be like, oh, like, this dude stole something for me. I'm going to try to get justice. And Absalom will go to the person and be like, oh, like, if only I were the king, like, I would handle this for you. But like, you're not going to get any help in there. So like, too bad. I'm not the king. Oh, whoa. I know. It's wild. So then people are starting to believe the Absalom propaganda. People are starting to love Absalom. Basically, eventually he gets to this point where he just gets a bunch of dudes to just like announce that he's the king okay so he coos basically yeah he coos but he like doesn't do any military action to coup he's just like i'm the king everyone all my dudes all my all absalom believers like go into the city square on january 2nd and like yell absalom is the king january 2nd no i'm just saying a rant like this is an example of what happens it sounds like january 6th exactly exactly Although, I don't know, David was also problematic as hell, so I would be hesitant to draw any direct parallels. But it's a very similar situation. Whereas Biden is perfect. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You know that's what I believe. You know I'm a devout follower of Bidenist Judaism. Yeah, oh, yes, totally. Anyway, eventually, David is like, okay, I'm going to have to deal with this shit seriously so he sends out his dudes and he's like deal gently with absalom bring him in alive don't fuck him up too bad and so they're out chasing absalom and the verse reads absalom was riding on a mule and as the mule passed under the tangled branches of a great tree his hair got caught in the tree and he was held between heaven and earth as the mule under him kept going so he like wily coyote style gets like snagged by a tree branch and is just suspended by his hair on a tree and one of the dudes sees absalom suspended by his hair and he goes back to the captain he's like hey absalom caught his hair on this tree and the captain's like you should have killed him the dude who spied him out was like i'm not gonna kill him like david specifically said not to kill him so then the captain is like well fuck that and i'm gonna go kill him and he goes and kills him Whoa. And David's very upset. And that's the end of the story for our purposes. Oh, okay. So what the Talmud says about this that I picked up on Sota 10b says the Mishnah teaches Absalom was excessively proud of his hair and therefore he was hung by his hair. The sages taught Absalom rebelled and sinned due to his hair. As it was stated, now in Israel, there was none to be so praised as Absalom for his beauty. And then it says, what is the king's stone, a.k.a. like the weight by which his hair was measured? A stone which the people of Tiberias and the people of Tsipori weigh items. Basically just like a heavy-ass standard measuring weight. Mm -hmm. Okay. The Baraita continues, and since he was proud of his hair, he was hung by his hair. As it's stated in the verse describing the battle between the forces of David and Absalom, and Absalom chanced to meet the servants of David, and Absalom was riding on his mule, and the mule went under the thick boughs of the tree, and his head was caught in the hold of the tree. After he was spotted by the opposing troops, Absalom took a sword and wanted to cut his hair to save himself. And the school of Rabbi Ishmael taught at that moment the gates of the netherworld opened beneath him, and he was afraid not to fall into it. So he didn't cut his hair, and that's why he was killed. Um, hmm. <laughs> well, know. basically, he like got distracted from cutting his hair. He saw enemy troops, and he's like, 
okay, first thing I'm going to do, cut off my hair. Okay, 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 wait, 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 wait. Tell me about this netherworld that he saw. Was this a bad netherworld or the netherworld? Something bad. I imagine it as like he saw a vision of a pit opening up beneath him. Mm. I feel like the story would be a lot more compelling if he saw something good, like, and he saw, like, mm. the Garden of Eden opening up to him, and he knew it was right. time, but then he was scared. It's like, you see, he's like a coward. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, like, come on, like, put aside the circumstances of getting it stuck in the tree. I wouldn't cut my hair down in that particular case. I don't know if it says anything about his character that the the netherworld opened up. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of other stuff happening with Absalom. One of the things that really interested me in the Talmud stake was when it says Absalom rebelled and sinned due to his hair. Like, basically, he was so beautiful and his hair was so beautiful that that's why he thought, he should be the king. I mean, yeah. I mean, that is something you see all the time. Some people are too beautiful <laughs> for their own good. Yeah, obviously I thought of this when I was thinking of our episode of Russian Doll because I, you know, I feel like there's this very similar connection of like in Nadia's case, the hair is like a weight tying her down and it represents her past and it's like what's trapping her. And similarly in Absalom's case, like the hair is both literally weighing him down and also is like a symbol of the thing that's holding him back. I think that's interesting. It reminds me of when the homeless guy that she talks to says to her, is that a hat? Is that a wig? It's like it's like her mask. Right. And I do think uh, Natasha does a good job of portraying like a woman who is depressed and like whatever, you know, hates her life, but like gets distraction through her sexuality, through the power that she possesses and how she presents herself. Mm hmm. Yeah, I also imagined that this section was very informed by her own experience being homeless, which is probably part of what like made it such a rich section. And then to me, I felt like it was really beautiful that like, clearly, the guy who she meets in the elevator is going to be the next part of the story, right? Yeah. And the reason she meets that guy is because she's taken it upon herself to, like, do an act of kindness for someone and take care of them, which she hasn't done a lot of in this show so far. Yes, yes. And that's what opens the door for the next step, is, like, when she finally chooses that kind of path of kindness. Right. She wouldn't have been in that elevator if she hadn't spent the night guarding the homeless man's shoes exactly which would have otherwise been stolen and triggered a series of events that would have left both of them freezing to death mm -hmm. so she does a kind thing and because of that the story is able to progress and we get to act two right another thing i really loved in this episode is the rabbi talks about like basically we have to surrender to the possibility of being nothing in order to like gain understanding and yes yeah 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 this leads to a whole fight where john tells nadia that she's the abyss and she's ruining his life basically but it also feels like more pointedly about nadia's own experiences like she is sort of being forced by the universe to be like okay i'm gonna like literally put you through annihilation until yeah. you're like able to deal with it in the appropriate way yeah, yeah. And I think the I think also something that a rabbi said is that, you know, buildings aren't haunted, but people are. I thought that was very Right. Like, right. Whoa. Nadia is both haunted and the haunter, I feel like. She's haunting everyone around her. She's really shitty to Maxine in this episode. 
Although I also, I really didn't like John. I mean, I do feel like she's using John and it sucks for him. But at one point when they're having a fight, he's like yelling at her and he's like, are you having mental issues? And it's like, if you do care about this person and they are having a mental health crisis, like yelling at them is not like the way, in my opinion. (laughs) I feel so bad for John. Oh, what a mess he's gotten himself into. I think they both come out looking not so great. Definitely. Neither of them are great people. No, no, no. But uh, no, it's a very Jewish episode. I don't think the way the show is talking about hair is necessarily Jewish. I think it's sort of universal. I think a lot of people in a lot of places have thought about hair this way. Yeah, And yeah, yeah. also, it's in a very Jewish context. And so I thought it was cool to find this other example of the dangers of powerful hair. Yeah, yep. And I think it's interesting that Shifra, her counterpart in the uh, mm-hmm. in the scene, is wearing a wig. You know, right, wearing a shaitel. I do think her particular hair is a choice. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really signature thing of Natasha Lyonne to have that hair, and also like of this character, which is both its own thing and a big self insert. Oh, there was a really interesting moment when she gets the haircut. And she looks at herself and she says, I look like my mother. Yeah, yes. Which I thought was very, I mean, it's hard to tell how she's feeling about that in that moment. But that makes me think that that's part of the hair choice, right? In this series is like looking like or not looking like her mother. Yeah. Who is ultimately played by Chloe Sevigny. I don't think she looked like Chloe Sevigny in that moment, but that's just like uh, probably the challenges of time. Does Chloe appear later on in some vision or something? Season two. Oh. Season two. Spoilers for season two, people. Okay, okay, okay. This was my favorite Russian Doll episode we've had for the show so far. Oh, same. Absolutely. It was great. Nice little little bit of, mm, you know. A little bit of everything. Yeah, a little bit of everything. Emotions, Judaism, Jews. sex, hatred, love, hair. Yeah, rabbis. Everything a growing girl needs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. yep <laughs> for sure. Great. Great. Well, thank God. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If you want to get twice as much of this shit, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash you to get twice as many Talmudic treats. We will catch you in the patron episode. We will catch you in the next regular episode. And without further ado, Shavuotov. Shavuotov. Shavuotov.